Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say that you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Is that what you got up this morning thinking? I want to suffer today. I want to share in death today. What? Why would we think that? Hmm. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you before, my name is Brian Legg. I'm one of the pastors here at TBA, and I'm glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. I know we're starting off on a pretty serious tone. Where we start out with this video, and this is how we ended last week if you got to be here. And I'm doing it on purpose because I want you to go back to that moment, how we ended last week, and I want us to build from that today. Because I'm going to challenge you to do something that we don't do very often in today's society. I want to challenge you to really reflect and have some introspect about who you are and where you are in life. You see, we would say we do this all the time at church because we're constantly challenging you Look at your heart. Look at the condition of your heart. But how many times in this world do we really stop? I mean stop everything. And shut off all the noise. And shut off all the craziness of life. And shut out all the obstacles. And just reflect on who we are. And what the cross has meant in our lives. That's what Paul's doing here in these words. He's reflecting on the impact the cross has had on him and his life and his journey. He's reflecting about the way he's lived his life and how the cross has changed that. What's it done for you? I'm going to give you some time today to think about that, to reflect on those things, to really have some introspect and look within you, the core of who you are, 
See, last week, Stivey talked about this cup of wrath that we just saw in the video. And he talked about the meaning of the cross and the journey that Christ made to get to the cross. He talked about justice and how God had to serve justice for sin. But in that amazing act of love that you just watched in the video, he chose to take that justice upon himself. And he chose to pay the penalty for you and for me. Hmm. What do we do with that? I love the way Brian walked us through the experience of Jesus in the garden. We barely even talked about the specifics of the crucifixion because we hear that all the time. But do you realize everything that Jesus did that took him to the cross? Do you realize the journey that he made to get there? You know, and he told us a lot of different things, but there was one word that stood out to me last week. I don't know if it did the same for you, but that one word for me was surrender. Surrender. Now, that's not a word we use real often, is it? Especially not here in America. Surrender? Are you kidding? We don't surrender to anybody. Surrender? That's for the enemy. Surrender, that's for those other guys. That's for those people that are weak. We don't surrender. We don't ever give up. We don't ever give in. Our patriotism shines through. Our pride in our country. Surrender? No. It's the same in our lives. Surrender? Mm Mm-mm. I don't surrender. But yet, that was the theme last week. And we began to have this understanding that as we watch Jesus' journey towards the cross, that everything about what we believe in, our faith, our acceptance of that free gift of grace, it all came back to that one word, surrender. Jesus had to surrender himself to be crucified. He had to surrender even more than that. It wasn't just his body and blood. He had to surrender his rights. He had to surrender his will. He had to surrender his heart to be able to follow through with God's perfect plan of redemption for the world. Surrender. Hmm. When's the last time you used that word? When's the last time you used that word without being ashamed of it? Here's God revealed in His Son, Jesus. Fully God, all-powerful, choosing to surrender and go to the cross for you and I. And He was in control of that entire situation from beginning to end. When you walk through that journey, you see surrender after surrender after surrender, conscious choices that Jesus made to surrender himself for you and I. Even in the very end, from John 19, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. To Telestai, the debt is paid in full. The full cup of wrath has been poured out. And then look what happens. It says, Then he bowed his head and released 
his spirit. That's an interesting word. That's not a word we commonly use when we think of somebody dying, that they release their spirit. We think of death as something being beyond our control, and in many ways it is. But it says Jesus released his spirit, and that word released comes from the Greek word paradidomi, to surrender, to yield up, to entrust. Even in that final moment where we see Jesus die on the cross for our sin, he was in full control. He released his spirit. He yielded to God's perfect plan. So what? What's that mean? How does that affect us? How does it change who we are? How does it change the way that we approach life? How does it change our perspective on things? How does all that really affect us? I mean, what's, what's the point of the cross? We talk about it and it's great, but is it something that just gives us those warm, fuzzy feelings to go, oh yeah, God loves me. And I see it because he sent his son to die on the cross. That's special. Or does it truly change who we are? Does it change the way we relate to others? Does it change the way we look at life? Does it change the way we think? Paul said everything else is garbage compared to what Christ did on the cross. This was a game changer for him. But what about us? Let me ask it a different way. We talk all the time about how we're supposed to follow Christ's lead, how we're supposed to follow what he models for us. He paints this picture of surrender through his entire life journey on earth. Can we do the same? Can you and I surrender in life? Can we give up control of all those things that we think are important to us and truly surrender to God's plan for our lives? Can you give up control of all the little details in your life? Can you give up your desires to have certain things, those dreams that you think are important? Can you give up the vain striving to make more money and get more stuff and have a better lifestyle? Can you give up your search for riches and honor, being important, being special? Can you give up your rights? Can you give up in those moments where you're wronged and justice needs to be served? Now it's getting personal, isn't it? Can you truly follow whatever God asks of you, regardless of the cost? Can you surrender? Can you surrender? That's exactly what Paul was talking about in that passage I just read to you from Philippians 3. He said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Think about it. Here's the Apostle Paul, a Hebrew by birth, circumcised in perfect condition with the law on the eighth day, He's followed all the tradition. He's a high-ranking religious leader. He's a part of the Pharisees. And he is following the law to the T. 
He's living a righteous life by everyone else's standards in the world around him. You talk about somebody that's good at checking off the boxes, Paul's got the boxes checked off. If anybody's good enough, he is. And he looks at the cross and he says, in light of that, everything else is worthless. It's all garbage. It means nothing in light of what Christ has done for me. He says, Christ is my only desire. That's my whole heart. Do we carry that kind of attitude when we look at Jesus Christ? Do we feel that way? Do we set everything else aside and say it's all garbage compared to what he's done for me? He goes on in verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Whatever it takes, I want to do it so that I can experience life because of what he's done. Jesus says a similar thing in the Gospels from Luke 9. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. What are Paul and Jesus saying here? Sharing his death? Sharing his suffering? Take up your cross daily? I don't like how that feels. Moving towards death? That doesn't seem like the picture that we normally paint, is it? And Wait a minute, I thought this whole thing about grace, I thought it was a free gift. I thought that God sent His Son to die on the cross so that we could be offered grace freely. He did. It is a free gift. And it is offered freely. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't come with some kind of cost and responsibility on our part. Because like any gift, you have to choose to receive the gift. And when we choose to receive that gift, it's making a choice to say, I surrender. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my desires. I surrender my control. I surrender all of who I am for all that you want to be through me. And it's a decision that we have to make. When he talks about picking up your cross daily, it's not a picture of physical death or physical torture. It's a picture of us surrendering our will and surrendering our rights and surrendering our mindset. It's a heart change. And that's a whole lot harder than all the external stuff. It's a whole lot harder to be broken on the inside, isn't it? That word, surrender, just keeps coming back over and over. It's that daily choice. We have to choose, are we going to surrender to God's plan? Are we going to try to control all the details of everything? Are we going to say that, God, you can be God today? Or are we still going to try to be our own God and make all of our own decisions and shape life the way we want to shape it? Are we going to trust God even when things go chaotic and our plan falls apart and all these crazy things happen? Or are we going to work ten times harder and keep striving and keep working to make it come together the way we want to make it come together? To follow our plan? Are we going to surrender our rights? When someone does us wrong... When justice needs to be served, are we going to surrender that? Or are we going to keep seeking justice? 
It's a daily choice. Surrender. There's nothing natural about it. It's not a part of our normal vocabulary. It's backwards from the way we think. Surrender. Yeah, but that shows weakness. Surrender. But if I surrender, that means I'm powerless and I'm dependent. I'm out of control. Mm -mm, Not me. No way. Maybe for all the rest of you sissies, but not me. I'm a control freak. I like to know that I'm in control of things. And it doesn't matter if I'm behind the scenes or up front. I want to be in control. You know, change is a really good thing as long as I'm the one making the change. You ever been there? Change is easy when you're the guy saying, this is what we're changing. It's a little harder when you're sitting on the other side and somebody goes, you know, things are going to change around here. And you have no control over it. I'm stubborn. I'm hard-headed. I'm the kind of guy that if there's a wall in front of me, I'll just keep beating my head against it until I break through. Surrender? That's not a word in my vocabulary. Push through, drive through, put your shoulder down and drive harder. Surrender? Be out of control? No. If you're anything like me, this is that moment where you feel a little squirmy. You feel a little uncomfortable. Because this goes against everything you normally think. Surrender? Give up? And yet, somehow win? How does that work? How does that work? You know, even Christ's disciples fell under this trap. I love, they're going into Jerusalem, and you hear this encounter that happens between his disciples, and and I look at these guys and I go, they're just like me. They're stubborn, they're hard-headed, they don't get it very often. You just got to take pounding after pounding for them to finally figure it out. And they're walking into Jerusalem with Jesus, and a couple of them have their mom come up and talk to Jesus and say, you know, can my two sons, could they sit on either side of you, Jesus, in your kingdom? Could they be important? Could they be special? And what happens? The other disciples hear about it, and of course they're outraged. How dare you? How dare you go to Jesus and ask him for that? We all deserve that. We all need to be a part of that. And then they get into this big argument about who's going to be the greatest. Who's the best? Who's going to be the most powerful? Who's going to be elevated to a position of authority? a position of honor. And Jesus responds with a message of surrender. In Matthew 20, but Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is looking at the disciples and going, you still don't get it. You've been with me three years walking with me, doing life with me, watching how I've done this. And I've constantly served and given of myself for others. I've never taken a position of authority. And yet here you are arguing over who's going to get the best spot at the table. Arguing over who's going to get to sit in the seat of honor. Arguing over who's going to be the most special. Trying to control the whole thing. You don't get it. 
See, here's the ironic thing. Here's the thing that we don't understand so often. When we choose to follow Christ, it's the beginning of a journey of surrender. But that journey of, of surrender results in inexplicable freedom. That doesn't even compute for us. It doesn't even make sense for us. Surrender equals freedom? How does that work? Try that in a war. Okay, we surrender, but we win. We'll throw up the white flag, but we're the winners. How do you think that's going to work? How does that work in any competition, in any board game or competition with friends or video game? I surrender, but I win. Your kids might try that occasionally, but that doesn't work in society for us, does it? You don't ever surrender and then win. That's not how it functions. It's completely backwards to our way of thinking. It's completely upside down. But see, we're only thinking about it from our perspective. We can only look at it from our eyes. And the reality is it's not about us. It's about Christ living in us. So when we choose to surrender, we're saying, okay, God, I surrender to you, but that means that I'm allowing you to work through me in a new way. That means I'm allowing people to see you in me. And therefore I win. Therefore I experience freedom in a new way. We get it backwards all the time. So where are you? Where's your heart in all of this? Surrender, control. Surrender, do it my way. Where do you fall in all of that? Are you going to choose to surrender? Are you going to keep trying to manipulate your kids' decisions day in and day out so they grow up to be the person you think they should be? Ever think about it that way? What if God has a different plan for your kids than what you see right now? Surrender or control? Are you going to surrender or are you going to keep fretting and worrying about how much money you make and how much stuff you can get and the lifestyle that you live? Hmm. What if God's plan doesn't line up with my plan? Surrender or control? Surrender or control? Are you going to surrender or are you going to keep structuring your life down to the minute, down to the second, and then every time something goes wrong with your plan, you just freak out because this wasn't part of the plan? I know some of you, you're like this, whether you admit it or not. You can shake your heads or you can just stare at me blankly, but I see it. I'm the same way, I get it. Everything's got to be in its place. Everything's got to happen at the right time. And what happens when it doesn't work out that way? Surrender or control? Hmm. Or let's get really personal for a minute. Are we going to surrender? Or are we going to get even with that person who did us wrong? Are we going to seek out justice or maybe even seek out revenge for that person who didn't treat us right, for that coworker who cost us our job? for the sibling that did us wrong and caused the family business to fall apart, for the spouse that hasn't been kind in the years we've been married or even has been unfaithful, for our kids that have broken our hearts because of choices they've made, for that person who's abused us, 
surrender or control? Surrender and give it to God and allow Him to worry about the justice. Allow Him to worry about how things are taken care of. Or control it. Do it my way. Seek out my own justice, my own revenge. Hmm. It ultimately comes down to this. Who's in control in your life? Who is in control in your life? Is it you? Or is it God? Control is an illusion anyway. We talk about this all the time. We kind of giggle and laugh about it. But I don't know if we ever really let it sink in. Control is an illusion. You have no control in your life. Sure, you can make choices. But we're not ultimately in control. That's an illusion. And some of us live that illusion out really well. Surrender or control. Some of you are probably sitting there thinking, you know, that doesn't work very well for me. That's all nice that you can say that, and it's, you paint this pretty picture of surrender and how important that is, but, you know, that's, that's just not me. I can't surrender in this area because I've got to make sure that this happens just right. Or I've got to make sure that my kid turns out okay. Or I've got to make sure that this project comes together at work. Or I've got to surrender or control. It's black and white. It's simple. So if you're sitting there thinking that and going, you know, I just can't let go of these things, I've got a challenge for you. I get teased around here about being the challenge pastor, so I figure, why not? Let's throw down. Here's your challenge. I dare you to do this. Go back through Scripture. Start at the beginning of Genesis and go all the way to the end of, the Revela- end of Revelation and find one story, one, where somebody chooses to control their own life and make all of their own decisions and not trust in God and it turns out well for them. Find one. You'll find all kinds of stories where people do it their own way and it ends in disaster every time. But when you see people who succeed throughout Scripture, you will find time and time and time again a story of surrender. You'll find people who might have tried to do it their own way for a season, but they finally come to a point where they surrender to God's plan in their life and they follow His will and they trust Him. Look at the story of the cross from beginning to end. We haven't even begun to pull all that apart and to look at all the details of it, but look at the story of Christ going to the cross. It's a picture of surrender after surrender, after surrender, after surrender. And if there was ever anybody who lived who deserved to be able to hand out justice for the things that were done to him, it was Christ. He was wrongfully accused. He was tried illegally. Everything about it was wrong. Every conversation that was had with him was done wrong. The abuse that happened to him was wrong. All of it went against the law of the day. It was unjust from start to finish. He should have never been hung on a cross. Even if they executed him, it should have been in a different manner. It should have been at a different time. There was nothing right about the story. He was mocked, spit on, beaten, and then killed. And all unjustly. Here's the God of the universe, all-powerful God on the cross, being made fun of, saying, if you were all-powerful, you could come off the cross. And even in that moment, he chose to surrender. 
and he chose to give his life. I can't speak for you, but I can tell you I couldn't do that. I just don't think I could do that. If I knew that I had the power to overcome, to give that up, to surrender, but see, that's our battle. That's our battle. Because we want to control it. We want to show that we're strong enough, that we've got what it takes, that we can push through. Surrender is no fun. Surrender has personal cost. We're going to respond this morning by receiving communion. But I want you to think about communion a little differently than maybe you have before. This is a picture of Christ's body and blood, as we talk about all the time. But this is the ultimate picture of surrender. It's the picture Christ painted for us of giving up his will, giving up his rights, and even giving his life so that you and I could experience freedom from sin. And I challenged you at the beginning that I wanted you to have some time to reflect and have that introspect, and that's what I want you to do now. Before you come and receive communion, I want you to stop and look within yourself. Look at your own heart and the condition of your heart and ask yourself the question, am I a person who surrenders on a daily basis or am I a person who controls on a daily basis? Am I dying to self? Am I dying to my own selfish desires? Am I fulfilling what God's asking me to do? Or am I still caught up in all my own junk? And I'd ask you this, what is it in your life that you need to surrender? Maybe you've surrendered a lot of areas, but there's still that one that you're holding on to. Maybe it's that relationship with a spouse or with kids or whoever. Maybe it's an injustice that's been done to you. Maybe it's that secret thought life. You know, those things that nobody knows about you, that you keep really hush-hush. What is it that you need to surrender control of? What is it that you need to give over to Him? The band's going to come up, and we've got some people who are going to come and serve communion. And just to quickly give you logistics of it, there will be three stations here in the front. In front of each section, there will be two in the back corners. And I want you to go wherever's closest to you or wherever you're comfortable going to receive communion. You don't have to walk any certain pattern. Just go where you need to go to be served. And there will be people there to serve you. And as you come to receive communion, you're simply going to take a piece of the bread out of the basket, dip it in the juice, and then eat that. The bread is symbolic of Christ's body that was broken for us, and the juice symbolic of his blood that was shed for us. But here's what I want you to understand, and here's where the reflection piece comes in. When you come and receive communion this morning, I want you to understand that you are making a public statement by receiving communion to say, I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering my control, and I'm trusting in God's perfect plan for my life. Communion is designed to be that time where we remember what Christ has done for us. And today I want you to remember how he surrendered for you and set that example of how we should be living our lives. Brian, I'll ask you to stand in a moment as they sing, but don't come until you're ready. You're going to have a couple songs that the band's going to go through, and you take your time. If you need to wait till the end of the second song, that's okay. If you need to wait till after service, that's okay. Come back up, and one of us will serve you then. 
But take time to look within your heart and where you are on this journey. If you've never surrendered to Christ at all, you don't even know what that looks like, you don't understand His gift of grace, come and talk with one of us. Let us pray with you. I'll be here in the front corner and I can pray with you. I'd love to. I'd love to talk to you about what that looks like. Stand with me and we'll pray. And then when you're ready, you come and receive the elements. God, thank you for your amazing love for us. Thank you for how you chose to drink that cup of wrath in our place. The punishment that each of us deserved because of our sin, because of our lives trying to control everything, trying to be our own gods. And yet, you so graciously extend forgiveness. You give us grace. And you offer that gift freely. All we have to do is choose to surrender to you and allow you to have control. So help us to do that today. God, whether it's for the first time or whether it's just that one little piece of our life that we've been hanging on to for dear life, help us to let go of that. We can't do it on our own. It has to be in your strength. So we pray this morning, trusting that you will work powerfully in our hearts. Thank you for your amazing gift.